I'm Nick Park from Evangelical Alliance Ireland, and this is the XXXY Files. File 5, Transgender Athletes in Sports. As we explore Christians' approaches to transgender issues, controversy about participation in sport tends to crop up, particularly on social media platforms. The early church would probably struggle to understand our modern obsession with sport. Of course, sport existed in the first century. Sporting events such as the Olympic Games and the Isthmian Games attracted large crowds who would camp out in the open air for days at a time. And such events were obviously a boom time for tent makers, so it would not be surprising if Christians in that trade, such as the Apostle Paul, Aquila and Priscilla, were familiar with the sporting world. But Christians in the first few centuries tended not to get involved in sports. Athletes competed naked, and most sporting events were dedicated to pagan deities. A number of early church fathers warned Christians against being spectators at sporting events, particularly as they were often combined with gladiatorial contests and even with brutal acts of persecution against Christians. Paul, of course, did use illustrations from the sporting world in his epistles, but these don't necessarily imply approval. After all, Jesus used illustrations about breaking into people's houses, but he wasn't endorsing burglary. Today, of course, most Christians go along with society's enthusiastic interest in sport. Sport is perceived as healthy and wholesome compared to other pastimes, and there are a wide variety of Christian ministries that focus on sport. Fairness is seen as one of the major virtues in modern sport. Cheating is despised. Match-fixing is seen as evil and corrupt, and we even talk about financial fair play. So the idea of biological males competing in women's sporting events has become a very emotive area of debate when it comes to transgender people. There are a few sports where physical differences are not a crucial factor, and in those sports men and women compete against each other. In Olympic sports, that includes equestrian sports and one particular sailing event. Other sports where men and women compete on equal terms include darts, horse racing and motorcycle racing. But in most cases, the reason why there are separate sporting events for men and women is due to physical differences. On average, men are faster and stronger than women. I say on average because not every man is stronger than every woman. I have no doubt that if I got in a boxing ring with Katie Taylor, then I would get beaten up. But on average, in most sports, it is unlikely, if not impossible, for women to succeed in top-level sport against men. And this is why most people see it as inherently unfair for a biological male to compete in women's sporting events on the basis that they identify as female. Indeed, in some sports where there is forceful physical contact, such as American football, rugby or boxing, there's a fair argument that participation by biological males could make such sports excessively dangerous for female participants. If I were a sporting administrator, which I'm not, then I might have a lot more to say on this subject. It does seem to me, as someone who used to participate in sport many years ago, that the solution to this issue need not be difficult or complicated. We all recognise that sport allows for categories of competition that are based on objective scientific criteria, not on self-identification. 
A heavyweight boxer cannot self-identify as a lightweight in order to fight much smaller opponents. We're all familiar with the Paralympics, where those with various physical conditions can compete against those with similar conditions. In track and field athletics, for example, categories T45 to 47 are reserved for athletes with, and I quote, upper limbs affected by limb deficiency, impaired muscle power, or impaired passive range of movement. These are scientific criteria. If your upper limbs are medically sound, then you cannot self-identify as being a T45 athlete. In the 2000 Paralympics in Sydney, Australia, the Spanish basketball team won the gold medal in the intellectual disability category. However, it was subsequently revealed that only two of the 12 players met the qualification threshold of having an IQ of less than 70. The team was, quite rightly, stripped of its medals. Intellectual disability in sport is measured by objective criteria, not subjective self-identification. The Spanish team was, quite obviously, cheating. Given the physical differences between men and women, it would be better to abandon the men's category in sport and simply reclassify it as open competition. Any athlete who attained a sufficiently high standard could then compete. The women's category could then become the XX chromosome category. Such sports would be open to athletes who were born biologically female, irrespective of whether they chose to identify as men or women. No one would be discriminated against. Nobody could be accused of cheating. Everyone would have the opportunity to compete in sport according to clearly defined objective criteria. Now, as I've said, I'm not a sports administrator, but such a common sense solution would appear to have the advantage of cutting out most of the current nonsense. Unfortunately, as the old saying goes, common sense isn't always very common. I am, of course, a pastor rather than a sports administrator, so my interest in this whole issue of transgender athletes is primarily as to how it influences Christians in their attitudes and communications. I see Christians, for example, regularly posting photographs on social media of Leah Thomas, formerly William Thomas, a transgender athlete who is clearly a biological male and is breaking records in women's college swimming events. My first reaction, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, is to say, I never knew you were so interested in American college swimming. But of course this has nothing to do with whether we could care less or not about swimming. In a world where our moral standards and those of the world seem to be so far apart, we instinctively sense that here is a point where most people will agree with us. And when we see a biological male dominating a female sport, it seems too good an opportunity to miss. Most people's sense of natural justice and fairness will make them agree with us that this isn't right. This is a powerful way to highlight the dangers of where popular culture's stance on gender is taking us. And that's why I actually believe that this kind of emphasis is unhelpful. We're back to seeing transgender people as a threat, as the enemy. And posting this kind of stuff will certainly gain you a lot of likes on social media, but it isn't going to gain us a hearing for the gospel. Just to complicate matters, the issue of transgender athletes has got caught up in a much bigger packet, package of agendas in transatlantic politically partisan culture wars. We will discuss culture wars in more detail in our next episode of the XXXY Files, 
but they rarely help us to promote genuine biblical righteousness and Christian holiness. To sum up, I do find the idea of biological males competing in women's sports to be both foolish and unfair. I hope that common sense will prevail among those who make decisions in sport. But I don't see that Christians making a big deal about it is going to further the Christian faith or do anything positive to promote Christian morality. Feel free to get in touch with me at nick at evangelical.ie. As I say each week, I want to avoid misunderstandings. And if there are aspects we're missing out and need to cover, then I'd love to know about that. When I teach this kind of material in a seminar or a conference, then we usually have question and answer sessions. So please do feel free to get in touch if you need something clarified or have a concern, a criticism or a word of encouragement. And do join us next week for message number six in the XXXY files. We're going to talk more about culture wars. What is the difference between changing society for better and fighting a culture war? And why do Christians always seem to end up losing culture wars, even when we think we're winning?